Welcome to episode 27 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. Today we'll be discussing every team's weakest starter slash X-Factor going into next season. Starting with the Philadelphia 76ers. And when I say weakest starter slash X-Factor, I am absolutely not talking about worst player. I'm not saying worst, you know, least talented. None of that. It's just where they fit compared to you know, the other four starters on the team. And when here's 76ers, you're talking about doesn't fit the system. Ben Simmons is the first name that comes up. And again, not every team has a star. Like, for instance, Utah, the Utah Jazz is literally for worst player because they're, and he, even that he does, it's not a fit thing. It's literally just, you know, he's the least important of the, the five starters in Utah. And that's Royce O'Neal. But for Philly, I have Ben Simmons. It's kind of obvious that if they have even a lick of a shooting a shooting point guard, a point guard that can shoot, this 76ers team is probably a, a legitimate contender, to be honest. They have a Seth Curry who's an elite three-point shooter, a Danny Green who's an elite three-point shooter and an elite defender. You know, Tobias Harris, he can shoot. You know, he's a shot creator. And Joel Embiid is genuinely... Guaranteed a top three center, probably number two in my eyes, as the number as when it comes best big men in basketball. And then there's Ben Simmons, who you know it's it's been well documented at this point that his days in Philly should be numbered. They probably won't be numbered. And again, you know you can argue whether if it's a management issue or a they just trust Ben Simmons way too much going into next season because again we're not getting fooled by the workout videos like he's going to get he's going to get his shots up in the gym but once he shows up training camp you won't see him shoot another three-pointer until next July when he's you know he's putting out those workout videos as a member of God knows what team because Philly's not going to trust that anymore hopefully so yeah, with Philly, I have Ben Simmons for the Bucks, and again, this isn't a worst player necessarily, even though you can kind of tout this as being worst player ish. But Brooke Lopez, and again, Brooke Lopez does fit this team perfectly because he's a big man. He can he can stretch the floor with with Giannis and Kubo. It's kind of hard to tout the worst starter of a championship team. Like, P.J. Tucker, if he resigned, would have been the worst player. But, again, still an elite fit because, again, he can shoot and is one of the best defenders in basketball, and I will not hear anything otherwise. But when you look at the Bucks lineup, Drew Holiday fits them perfectly. Chris Middleton fits them perfectly. Giannis fits them perfectly. Dante DiVincenzo, you could probably argue because he's not as great of a shooter as you might want him to be. But at the same time, he plays defense. He's a really good defender. Or... And good, good for the the numbers. Let's just say he's good with for the numbers, not as good for the on like with the eye test. But for Milwaukee, I did go with Brook Lopez, and again, Brook Lopez still really fits this team. It's just I couldn't really come to terms with. It's it's probably Dante Divincenzo, but again, we just haven't seen Divincenzo in a while, and I kind of made this list short sighted. So bear with me on that one. Chicago, it's kind of obvious that it's 
DeMar DeRozan. And again, DeMar DeRozan is still a really good player. And again, most of the people on this list, Al Horford, Eric Bledsoe, you know, Steven Adams, give or take, Duncan, uh, Duncan Robinson is a good player. But uh, Nerlens Noel, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, they're still really good players. Thaddeus Young, really good players. They just, they're game, like, DeMar DeRozan's game, and again, he might completely overhaul his game going into next season. But the game that we've seen from a DeMar DeRozan does not fit next to a Zach Levine, who's a shooter, who's shoot, who's one of the more elite shooters in the game. Lonzo Ball, who has a well-developed jump shot. Pat Williams, who shot the ball well last year. And Vucevic, who's a stretch, a stretch five. DeMar DeRozan isn't a stretch. And again, he could develop into a shooter. Who knows? That might be why he's in the gym with Zach Levine now. He might be... In the, in the gym, getting some shots up, and hopefully transitioning into a shooter because that's kind of what he's going to be. Because Zach's going to have the ball in his hands. Lonzo will have the ball in his hands. The way Patrick Williams plays, he'll probably have the ball in his hands a little bit. Vucevic will definitely have the ball in his hand, especially at the you know top of the key or even in the you know high post area. That'll be his game going into next season. And DeMar, you know, DeMar's not going to be playing with other Marcus Aldridge who shoots mid-rangers and give or take. Keldon Johnson probably is being the, can shoot threes and whatnot. Like, he's that's not going to be his game going into next year. He's going to be playing with guys who is going to have the ball in their hand a lot. And he's in. He and I just I hope that it works out for Chicago. But I'm just not ready to trust it just yet. They'll still probably still be a playoff team, but I just don't think it'll. They it won't be as similar to Philly. It won't be good as we want them to be just because. Of that one specific player who doesn't fit with the rest is that one in the you know in the crowd of the others. So for the Cleveland Cavaliers, it was a bit difficult just because nobody on that no two people on that team could fit well together. To be honest with you, but I ended up going with Jared Allen. And again, Jared Allen, one of the few people on the very few people on this team that plays defense. It's even less now that they traded Larry Nance Jr., which is still mind-boggling to me. But they got <laughs> let's let's we'll deviate deviate from the list and just talk about the Cavs right now. Me and my homeboy and Ryan, who y'all probably seen in the last episode, we just we we took an extended trip down the Cleveland Cavaliers route, and we said they have way too many bigs that don't fit together. The very next day. They go sign Kevin Love 2.0 in Larry Marketing. What? Not even just sign Larry Mark. It's one thing you sign Larry Mark. It's another thing you gave him four years, sixty-seven million. You paid Jared Allen five years, a hundred million. Still paying Kevin Love, and by it, all reports are saying they don't plan on buying him out. He'll be back there next year on that thirty million, and probably the year before that or a year after that too, because apparently he has a two-year, sixty million dollar deal. He's gonna be back for those thirty that thirty million a year. Again, just drafted Evan Mobley at three, and again, if he's a project player, why draft him at three when Jalen Suggs can come in and be the ball, and you can trade Colin Sexton, who has trade value forehead. Oh God, this team is stressful. This it. It has me worried for a Colin Sexton, a Darius Garland, and Isaac Okoro. 
genuine young talent could probably thrive in a much, much better situation, but are stuck in arguably the worst coach and the worst GM situation in the league now that, you know, Chicago has completely overhauled, overhauled its, uh, its front office. I genuinely think the worst front office in the league and maybe even the worst coaching in the league because it's not a coach. J.B. Bickerstaff isn't a coach fit for young guys. Like, if they, if they went out and got a Kenny Atkinson right now, I think this Cleveland team would be in a much better situation. Still terrible, mind you, but a better situation than it is with J.B. Uh, Bickerstaff. Because J.B. Bickerstaff, his only head coaching experience was coaching a very veteran-heavy Houston Rockets team when they had Harden. They had C.P. Was it, was it C.P. or Russ, I believe, at the time? I think it was C.P. at the time. They had a Eric Gordon. They had a, you know, P.J. Tucker. Like, they had a lot of veterans, and he it was easy for him. To, but once he has to actually develop a decent young core, he can't do it. And Kenny Atkinson did it perfectly in Brooklyn. I don't see why he isn't a head coach right now in, in 90% of teams that have struggling uh, young cores. So anyway, now that we've uh, talked about the Cavs at end at all end. Oh, I almost forgot to mention. Well, I kind of did forget to mention. And the the criteria I had for starting lineups, I literally it was on a uh, real real GM. The, I use real GM for starting lineups just because it was like the only ones that really had them updated at the to- at the day I made the the list. So, if you think that Al Horford probably won't start for the Celtics, then that's on me. But anyway, Al Horford is the one for the Celtics. And again, it isn't a situation that he doesn't fit. It's more of a situation of, of the starting lineup I was given, which was like, those Mark, Marcus Smart was running the shooting guard. Brown, Tatum, Horford, and I think Schroeder was the point guard. I believe Dennis Schroeder was the point guard. If we get... And it's more of an X factor because of Dennis Schroeder. Because if Dennis Schroeder plays like Hawks Dennis Schroeder, where he was a, one of the best playmakers of that time period, maybe he could. Maybe he could be a perfect fit. But right now, it's it literally be, it's literally between Al Horford and, and Dennis Schroeder. Because if Dennis Schroeder comes in with the mindset that, oh, I got something to prove this year, the Celtics aren't going to be anything better than what they were a year ago. And that was... Swept by the Nets. Clippers, Eric Bledsoe, same situation. Like this, he's the, basically the only newcomer into this this uh, next this team next year. PG's returning, Terrence Mann returning, Marcus Smart, uh, Marcus Morris, sorry, returning, and Zubak returning. So it's it's Eric Bledsoe, but Eric Bledsoe, I think, still can give you something as a starting point guard. Again, isn't going to be Phoenix Suns Eric Bledsoe averaging twenty, almost making the All Star team and whatnot, but. He can still be, a, you know, a solid playmaker. Can shoot. He showed last year with the Pelicans. The one thing he could do was shoot the belt. And that's all you really need him to do. Playing with a PG who's going to create. Playing with a Terrence Man who, for some reason, all of a sudden knows how to uh, be a shot creator. You know, Marcus Morris who does have the hot ball in his hand a lot. Zubak was an uh, excellent screen setter. You know, Eric Bledsoe can probably thrive. You can. We could probably could see the closest thing we could have seen to old Eric Bledsoe. On, is going to be on this Clippers team. Grizzlies, Stephen Adams, a much worse version of Jonas Valanciunas. That's all I'm saying. He's not. He's not nearly as skilled as Valanciunas. This might be bigger, but it's not. He's not more skilled, and that's kind of what Memphis needed was a, a skillful big man next to Jaron Jackson Jr. 
Now Jaren's gonna be commanding more attention because Adams isn't a creator. So is Ja, so is Dylan Brooks. Those guys are gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a lot more difficult of a job for them to be consistent shot creators, knowing that you don't have a Valanciunas who can get his own. And it's more of Steven Adams who needs it to be set up, put on a silver platter for him, like Russ did for seven years in OKC. Next, this, I literally said to myself, I put in the notes, the Hawks and the Knicks have two of the most evenly consistent uh, starting fives in the league. They don't have, the Hawks have a superstar in Trae Young, but the Hawks are a team that have, are basically, they're one of the very few teams going into the next season that's bringing their entire starting five back. And that, it'll be Trey, it'll be Herder, it'll be Hunter, with, if healthy. Will be um, Collins and it will be uh, uh, Capella. That'll be their starting five next year. And if it is their starting five next year, probably the only team they'll be bringing back the same starting five they had last year. And that is a good thing for them because team chemistry is a thing. It is a real thing, people. You look at you know Miami Heat. PJ Tucker is going to be coming to the starting lineup. The uh, you know the Hornets. Mason Plumlee is going to be in their new starting center. You know, like they. These teams are going to be them and the Jazz. The Jazz are also another team that would be bringing back their starting five from from last year. Outside of that, none of the, the starting fives are going to be this, uh, the same this year, which is kind of weird to think that you know teams are really keeping their top the top guys on long term deals like that because you're used to those guys walking. Like you're used to just yearly starters of just moving teams, moving teams, moving teams. But now. While it's the same way, it, you, like, you don't expect a P.J. Tucker to want to leave a championship team after he was such an integral part of said championship team. And you, him saying, I think I want to do it in Miami now. After he locked up Jimmy Butler, you, you think he's going to want to be Jimmy Butler's best friend now. It's weird to think. But for the Miami Heat, I am say this in the, most, in the nicest way possible. When Miami's a grit and grind team, but like, one of their more highlighted players is Duncan Robinson, who is no grit, no grind whatsoever, and is a spot-up shooter that they paid $90 million to as a spot-up shooter. Kind of kind of ruins that, that mode where you have, you bring in a P.J. Tucker, you bring in a Markeith Morris, the uh, two, what's the word I'm looking at for? Uh, anchors, that's the word I'm looking Two anchors, two you know, two defensive anchors out there, and you know Kyle Lowry, who's a grit and grind guy, Jimmy Butler, who's still an elite defender despite being a really good shot creator. Also, Bam, who's a defensive player of the year, candidate year in year out. But then you have you know Duncan Robinson, who, who him and Tyler Hero, I call them uh, the pretty boys on the team. They want to shoot the ball, and that kind of doesn't work for Miami. If you if you want if you not grit and grinding you going they going to ship you out. I wholeheartedly believe that Duncan Robinson got paid that money just to so be used as a trade asset potentially. Victor Oladipo is another one again could be used as a trade asset. And if Miami does strike a deal using those two contracts, then they're the smartest people in the league. And I truly do mean that. Honestly. <laughs> Knowing just how stupid my mind works, Miami's going to trade an old, shriveled up, 
passes prime Oladipo for an old shriveled up passes prime Kevin Love. If a Kevin Love trade ever happens, honestly, if a Kevin Love trade ever happens, I fully am in the camp of him being bought out. Let him sign on the minimum, ride it out to the end. But if a Kevin Love trade ever happens, first of all, Cleveland's given up an unprotected first round pick in that trade. There's no way they don't. But if it's for a Duncan Robinson, Oladipo, and, you know, I won't even give up Opala in that trade at this point. Probably a second round pick, a protected second round. That seems like a fairly okay to decent trade for a Kevin Love, who, again, two years ago, still averaging like 16 a game. Like he like, again, it wasn't the most the it wasn't the Kevin Love we saw on the championship teams or even on the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was genuinely the best big man at basketball at that point. But it's someone is a Kevin Love that can still get you something as a shooter and okay rebounder at his age. I'd say okay rebounder with his age and injury history. Smaller, but I think he'll still get you about six seven rebounds maybe. Next, Charlotte Hornets, Mason Plumlee, just because he's the only center, he's the only starter, new starter coming in next year. They replaced Cody, they brought in Mason. Kind of plays the same, will be a better playmaker, obviously, but outside of that, it occupies the same role. Big body, rebounds, and can hit a hook shot every now and then. That's basically his game. And that, you can kind of see that fitting with Lamelo Ball, who's, you know, more flashy and has the attention drawn to him. Mason Plumlee is going to get a few buckets just off of Lamelo Ball being double teamed, Terry Rozier being double teamed, Bridges potentially being double teamed if he's hot next year, PJ in the you know on the low block. Like I could I could see Mason Plumlee getting a double uh, you know double digit scoring season just off of plays like that alone. Jazz Royce O'Neal and again this is obviously nothing against Royce O'Neal. It's just that he's the worst starter on his team and that's. And it's not bad considering the Jazz had three All-Stars last year. Granted, Kylie was a replacement, but still three All-Stars last year. And Bogdanovich was a 20-point-per-game score. Like, you can't really beat that as a if – you, if you're the worst out of that collective, you're probably still a starter on most NBA teams, to be honest with you. Kings, again, take your pick. I picked Marvin Bagley just because of my pure hatred for how Marvin Bagley and his dad have handled their entire run with the Kings organization. But also because Marvin Bagley genuinely brings nothing as a younger big man on a team that's full of guards that are penetrators slash shooters. Marvin Bagley doesn't do either of those. He's athletic. If Marvin Bagley was Tim Duncan, had Tim Duncan athleticism, probably wouldn't be in the league at this point. And I'm talking old Tim Duncan. I'm not talking, you know, spry 20-year-old Tim Duncan catching out of the from David Roberts or Avery Johnson and shit. I mean, 39-year-old Tim Duncan with uh, the knee brace and all that. that. That's the Tim Duncan I'm talking about when I'm saying that if he had that athleticism, he wouldn't be in the league at this point. Marvin Bagley genuinely stressing me out because when he was the number two pick, you can hear groans from Kings fans at that point where, you know, Trey Young is still on the board. I'm getting drafted De'Aaron last year, but De'Aaron as a rookie wasn't all that, you know, 
Luka's there. They passed up on Luka Doncic, passed up on Trey Young, and they got Marvin Bagley. At least the Phoenix Suns could live with having a potential all-star center in DeAndre Ayton. Marvin Bagley ain't an all-star nothing. He's not even a, a skills con competition, you know, big man at this point. He's, he's nothing. It's nothing in Sacramento right now. Oh boy, we're already 20 minutes in, not even halfway through the league. Knicks, Nerlens Noel. Again, the Knicks have a very consistent start. Like, if you look at the Knicks right now, 20 point per game score or 15 point per game score, Derrick Rose, future all star in RJ Barrett, all star in Julius Randle, and I can't honestly. Oh, and Evan Fournier, who again, 20 point per game score last year. Evan Fournier, I just don't like being on this team, mostly because he got paid so much to be the third option in New York. Four if Kemba is Kemba again. Five if Derrick Rose plays like he did last year. This, this team this is stressful. Lakers, Marcus Gasol and it ain't close. Russell Westbrook doesn't fit just because he can't shoot, but Mark Gasol just sucks at this point. He just sucks. And again, it sucks to see because Mark Gasol in his prime was genuinely, a, he was an, an, a credible all-star big man. He was like 17-11 playing an elite defense. Mark Gasol was the man. Even in Toronto, again, wasn't giving you 17-11, was still an elite defender. I mean, I think he's, he's not even an elite defender anymore. He's a top-of-the-key playmaker. Because he's not a dribble. He doesn't dribble. He's, he, look, he can see over defenders and find an open guy. That's Marcus Gasol's game at this point. You could just honestly leave him at half court and have him just run at half court, to be honest. But anyway, yeah, Marcus Gasol, again, it, it ain't close. Because Wayne Ellington provides you shooting. LeBron James basically provides you everything. Anthony Davis, same thing. Russell Westbrook, while he at least gives you intensity, you know, something that the Lakers need. AD needs, they need a post scorer. Anthony Davis, that's what they need. They need LeBron James because they need, you know, some consistent playmaking, you know, somebody to calm the offense down. Wayne Ellington's obviously the shooter. Marcus Hall isn't necessarily needed in the Lakers lineup. And again, I'm not saying go ahead and start, go ahead and go get, uh, you know, what big oh DeAndre Jordan is the one they they're rumored to get, which DeAndre Jordan is almost carbon copy, but minus the playmaking part, he just he just isn't the the DeAndre we saw five years ago catching alley oops like it was you know, like I don't know what. Magic Shuma Kiki, don't want to spend too much time because we're again we're almost halfway half almost a half hour in we're 23 minutes in already and we're again only on the lakeland or no orlando magic jesus speaking of lakeland sumo kiki i uh, don't really see him in orlando too long just because they just spent the pick on franz wagner franz wagner they have jonathan isaac they just paid you know, Wendell obviously is going to be the when I wouldn't even say the big man. I think Mobamba, to be honest, will be the big man in the future. But they have two potential big men in the future if they so choose one of them. Obviously, stacked at the guard position: Cole, R.J., uh, uh, Jalen Suggs, Kel. Like that, they, they are stacked at the guard. They are stacked at the guard position. Uh, 
So, again, Shuma Okiki doesn't have an, a defined role on this team, but that's the training camps for, that's what preseason is for. Might need another year in the G League if, if necessary. Until a role is carved out for him, I don't see a whole lot of Shumo Kiki going in the next season for Orlando. And then I could be very wrong. He get might every single second over Franz Wagner. I don't know why, but he could get some minutes over Franz. Probably may even get some more of Terrence Ross's minutes if he's bought out slash traded. Who knows? But at the end of the day, I like Shuma. I like his game. I like him as a scoring wing, but I just don't see how much time he gets on the floor compared to a John Isaac, a Terrence Ross, even a a, a, a Franz Wagner. Um, I don't. I just don't know how much time he'll get. Hopefully, he gets enough, but I just don't see it happening. Mavericks, Moses Brown. I absolutely love them picking up. Loki, I would have went with Porzingis, to be honest with you. Especially how he played in the playoffs. I could kind of see Porzingis being the, the worst ex, uh, starter slash X-Factor on the maps. But Moses Brown brings something that Dallas needs, which is paint protection. Because somehow, it's 7 for 3 isn't giving you paint protection. And is an excellent rebounder. Excellent rebounder. I'm talking Vince putting the uh, Clint, uh, Clint Chamberlain numbers as a, you know, as an undrafted, uh, I don't even say undrafted rookie because he definitely played for Portland 2019-20. But when he was playing for OKC in his first year as a, you know, consistent role player, consistent, getting consistent minutes, he showed out as a big man. And I still, for the life of me, don't understand why OKC traded him. Don't understand why Boston traded him. I want to understand because Josh Richardson does give you elite, you know, elite defense on the, or perimeter defense. But, not necessarily, was it worth giving up Moses Brown, who was, he was basically Robert Williams, but not a foul machine and cheap, because he still has two years left on his deal as a basically on minimum money, but they just paid Robert Williams like $14 million a year, which is Again, paid him fourteen million a year, and it's still a question if he starts next year, <laughs> which is it's weird, odd for Boston of all people to make irrational, irrational might be the word for it, irrational moves with without really thinking of it. As I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know you pay a Robert Williams. I, I'm another episode when we review this or we pre we preview the Celtics season. That's that's a future episode. But Dallas loved them that they picked up Moses Brown, and I appreciate you know it didn't cost them much. It cost them Josh Richardson. They got a couple. I think they got a couple second round picks out of it actually, which is even better to be honest. Whew. Nets Blake Griffin. I've touted it a few times. Blake Griffin just doesn't fit because they're asking him to be a defensive. I wouldn't even say a defensive anchor. But he kind of, kind of their their guy that they put on bigger guys like Giannis was being guarded by Blake Griffin. You know, I, I wouldn't. To be honest, I, I think he was even guarding Tatum at one at, in the first series. Which again, I know they basically gentlemen swept Boston, or even I think they actually just swept them. Never mind. I think they swept just swept Boston. But like Tatum was still giving them boys buckets, and even they, you can see that they were just actively switching 
they they would switch the pick and roll and it worked every single time. And it, it eventually got tiresome for Jason Tatum, which is why he stopped scoring. Net Nuggets. According to apparently they think Jeff Green is going to start. I don't think he. I think Aaron Gordon will definitely be the start, starter next year. But I do like Jeff Green as a sixth man on this team. But as a starter, I don't see him being as impactful as a Murray or Barton or Porter Jr. Definitely not as much as a Jokic. But let's see how it goes. Pacers. Justin Holiday. Zero word. The Pacers ain't gonna be nothing. Ain't gonna be nothing next year. They'll probably be a play-in team. Won't be worth my time to watch them though. Pelicans, Nikhil Alexander Walker. I wish this wasn't the case, but it is the case. Pelicans got a lot better with the Valanciunas. They got you know uh, Trey Murphy in the draft. They obviously still have two superstars in Ingram and Zion. You know, the Pelicans are gonna be solid next year, and they have a, a brand new coach. They got Willie Green as a coach, not Stan Van Gundy no more. It ain't Stan time no more. That means they're going to be a playoff team. Watch the, watch the Pelicans end up as, like, the fifth seed out of nowhere. They take, like, Portland's spot in the in the Western Conference playoffs. Like, that's, that's kind of uh, it, it. I would say that's expected, but when you see New Orleans, and they let Lonzo Ball walk. This I would say it is a much deeper team than it was a couple years ago. Or even just last year where they were running like Najee Marshall as a consistent rotation guy, playing 30 minutes a game or not. But I appreciate that they they go out, they prioritize depth more than talent. And that'll eventually, that'll help them easily in the long run. Definitely in the short run, but also in the long run. Pistons. It's, it's probably Kelly Hayes. And again... This is coming to somebody who stands Killian Hayes. I love Killian, Killian Hayes so much. His game is perfect. But it's not going to be perfect until he develops a really good jump shot. And especially playing with a Cade Cunningham who's also going to be ball dominant, especially in his rookie year when we're not really looking to win all that much. Playing with a Jeremy Grant who's a scorer, elite scorer now. Uh, you know, Kelly Olenek who was an elite scorer in Houston last year. Like, he... I don't see Killian Hayes putting up, again, the same elite numbers or even just as a pure fit with uh, compared to those three guys, four if you count Sadiq Bey getting his threes. Like, I don't hate the fact that this team is that loaded with young talent. I, absolutely, I adore the fact that we have that much young talent, but one's going to fall through the wayside and it might be... Killian Hayes. And again, it's something I don't want because I know Killian Hayes has genuine Jason Kidd potential. I totally see Jason Kidd when I see this man play. But we'll see how it goes. Kim Birch. Literally no words. I literally have no words for it. Again, Toronto probably won't be a, you know, they could be something next year. I doubt they'd be anything next year. They'll probably be back in the lottery next year. Who knows? But again, we'll see how it goes. Kim Birch, like you said, he'll play. He'll play really good for Orlando or for Toronto. He did play really good for Orlando. Like you know, he'll be the defensive guy. He'll be the you know rim protector. He'll do, he'll do. He'll be the you know rebounder, the defensive guy that they kind of need at the center spot. 
but he just won't put it have the same impact as a Pascal could potentially if he's still there. Have a Scotty Barnes in his rookie year, a Brevin uh, Fleet could be an All Star point guard next year. Goran Dragic who somehow always is a fifteen to twenty point game scorer no matter what team he goes to. You know he's gonna Malachi Flynn is gonna be on the be the take his next step in his development process. Gary Trent Jr. is still gonna be a really good scorer like he was last year. Uh, you know they have Toronto has a decent amount of talent. I just don't think Kelly, uh, Kim Birch is gonna be the reason they're a playoff team next year. Which again I could be wrong. I doubt it though. Rockets Daniel Tice somehow for some reason this, the uh, real GM has Daniel Tice starting. He's not gonna start. Based on that, you know, on the team we saw last year, I think K.J. Martin would probably be the starter. Kenny Martin Jr. would probably be the starter on that team. Christian Wood probably playing center. Jalen Green and uh, KPJ playing on the wing and John Wall running point guard. If Wall's not on the team, then it'll probably be Jason Tate at the three, uh, Green at the two, and KPJ at the one. Either way, I don't see Daniel Tice starting. And again, it's nothing on Daniel Tice, obviously. It's just the fact that he's a young guy, or he's not a young guy on a team full of extremely young guys. Again, see how it goes. Spurs, Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young played really good for Chicago last year. And I don't hate that, you know, Chicago, that he that Chicago traded him, especially if it was to get a DeMar DeRozan. I just hate the fact that it was Thaddeus Young that had to fall that had to be the guy to be the sacrifice in a DeMar DeRozan trade. Like, Thaddeus Young played so well for for uh, Chicago last year. And I really th- and he could probably play a similar role in San Antonio because, again, San Antonio probably ain't looking to win this year, which is why I kind of want Pop to step down, to be honest, because it should be a focus on young players and not Doug McDermott and Thaddeus Young and, you know, it's <laughs> – and again, conversation whenever we talk about Spurs. Suns, Jay Crowder. And it's not, again, it's not Jay Crowder is a bad fit for the Suns. It's just when Chris Paul is the, the bona fide leader of this team, Devin Booker, one of the best scorers in basketball. Mikael Bridges, I think, is very, very talented and I think will be very, very good for them next year. And DeAndre Ayton on the cusp of is an all-star center. Jay Crowder has no choice but to be the default fifth guy on that that offense. And again, or even on that, just on that team in general. Again, Jay Crowder isn't terrible. I love Jay Crowder as a fit on the Suns. He is a dog. He is a in the dog fight with Phoenix. But it's just compared to a CP3, a Devin Booker, a Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton, he falls at five. And again, nothing wrong with that. Thunder. Mike Muscala, again, it's the same as Daniel Tice to where I just don't want him as the starting center on OKC. Like, run an extremely small lineup. Just run the floor for 72 to 80, I think it's 82 nation, 82 games. Just run the floor for 48 minutes. And again, Mike Muscala ain't going to run the floor with you. Poku will probably run the, the, run the four, basically run the five. Uh, Dort, give or take, would probably be the three. Still don't like him as a three. I love him as a two, though. Shea will probably run the two. Probably Theo Maladon runs point guard next year, if not uh, Alex Giddy. But, okay, see, it's Mike, it's Mike Muscala. Timberwolves, Jaden McDaniels. And again, 
I will keep saying this. It is not that Jalen McDaniels is awful. I like Jalen McDaniels. He played really well in Summer League also. But on a team with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, and top three center in Carl Anthony Towns, he falls at five. And again, Timberwolves have no choice but to be good next year. Otherwise, Cat is gone. D'Lo probably is gone anyway, probably for Simmons. Anthony Edwards becomes frustrated. Beasley is, you know, traded out of nowhere. The team is going to blow up if this team isn't good next year, which chances are they won't because looking at the Western Conference, they're not better than Denver, not better than Phoenix, probably not better than a not even healthy Clippers team, probably not better than the Warriors next year, not better than the uh, – I, I said Phoenix already. So probably not better than Dallas, definitely not better than the Lakers. Not better than the Jazz. This team isn't... He, they might not even be a playing team next year. I wouldn't even... At this point, I wouldn't even see them better than the Pelicans. And again, the Pelicans got a lead. The Grizzlies, I don't think they're better than... I think the Grizzlies got a lot worse in the offseason. I think this is definitely a step back for the Grizzlies. But it's still probably better than the Timberwolves. And A, it's health. And B, it's very, very, very inconsistent basketball they play. And I think it starts at the top. But it, is, it goes throughout the roster. And that includes the Jaden McDaniels. Who, he wasn't elite for 82 games last year like an Anthony Edwards. He was like 50 out of 72 last year. But yeah, Jaden McDaniels falls to, as the five for me. Portland. It is not close. And since I wrote this list, I don't even think he's going to be starting this year. He probably will. Robert Covington. Robert Covington was the undisputed power forward of the Portland Trail Blazers. I think now it should be Larry Nance Jr. Why do, you, I, why do I think it should be Larry Nance Jr.? Larry Nance Jr. can shoot. And not saying that Robert Covington is the worst shooter of all time, like 2K, you know, tells, tells us he is. Uh, Robert Covington is just, he's, he's just older. And I don't really, you know, it's, 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 Robert Covington isn't going to be more than what Robert Covington is currently. And that's just... Space the floor, plays to ridiculous defense, but so does Larry Nance Jr. And is a lot more athletic and a lot more consistent. And I I applaud I don't necessarily applaud them giving up a first round pick in it. And Derek Jones Jr. who played really well for them last year. But if it was to get if Larry if they get the utmost out of Larry Nance Jr., I'm fine with it. Warriors. And again, it's not his talent, it's just his fit and just where what team he's on. Warriors, it is James Wiseman. Curry's an MVP candidate. Klay Thompson will probably be an all-star next year. Draymond's an, a legend. And Andrew Wiggins is a much, much improved player. Not score, not you know, not when it comes to numbers, but definitely a lot better of a bona fide basketball player with Golden State than he ever was with Memphis. James Wiseman just doesn't have that level of impact on this Warriors team. Kevon Looney will probably see the fourth quarter minutes, even though Wamps Toscano Anderson, I think, plays a lot better defense than a Wiseman does, and they can run small. And I think that might hurt Wiseman this year. While last year was sort of his, I wouldn't say breakout because he didn't play that all that much, but should have been his breakout year, really is 
turn he's turned into a project almost. And that kind of hurts if you're looking at the Warriors, who again just drafted Jonathan literally just won the draft basically. Them or Houston won the draft by getting a Kuminga. They got a Moses Moody. They you know still have the the rights on a Nico Mannion. I could see them bringing him potentially bringing him back as like the the third point guard behind uh, Michael Mulder. That team looks elite right now. And Wiseman, I think, will be the odd man out next year, but not necessarily in the following year. I think the following year is where he takes the big step into being one of the best big men in the league. And for the Wizards, Thomas Bryant. I know this, again, kind of ends on a a weird note because Thomas Bryant isn't what you close out an episode talking about. Thomas Bryant, I think, if the Wizards had... Well, they kind of have one in their, uh, in their, on their bench. But if they had a defensive big man, I think they'd be really solid, bro. And you know, Daniel Gafford getting a lot more minutes than a Thomas Bryant could help Washington get back into the playoffs like in the next year. Because if you look at uh, Washington or look at the Eastern Conference, not a whole lot of teams got extremely better. Then you know that wasn't a playoff team. That was outside of Chicago, and it might be Chicago taking Washington's spot. But if Philly, you know, it doesn't get their act together, it might be. Honestly, Philly's an excellent regular season team. It's the playoffs that bugs them. But yeah, it you know Washington could fall out of the playoffs next year, and that's okay. Get another lottery pick. I know Corey Kispert was a very, very nice grab at fifteen, but. You can go, you know, you can expand on that. I'm not saying tank and get the top three picks, but could fall up to, uh, to a, um, maybe get a race to like a, a seven or an eight, similar to where you got uh, Rui Hachimura at the two years ago. I was just like, dang, it's been two years already. Anyway, so that's the end of the episode. If you know, you missed the previous 26 episodes. They're on Spotify, Google Podcast, right here on Anchor. At the end of the day, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Bye.